Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For over 20 years, Dr. James Maxwell and his team at Crestwood Dental have been providing quality care to patients of all ages. They offer a variety of services from cleanings to cosmetic dentistry and restorations with today's most advanced technology, including the most up-to-date lasers, digital x-rays, and impressions. They offer Invisalign and custom aligners with their 3D printer. Crestwood Dental accepts most insurance plans and a membership program for uninsured patients. Schedule today at 314-463-5655 or Crestwood dental.com this is the last minute blues podcast with jeff burton donnie fandango and former blues defenseman jamie rivers powered by together credit union empowering you to achieve your financial goals it is the last minute blues podcast uh donnie fandango jeff burton and in for jamie rivers mr alex ferrario alex what's going on good sir i am back and i think the last time i was on this podcast i uh i blew up on social media because everyone thought i said colton pareko was the best defenseman in the nhl so i will temper my thoughts on this one for you today you know what's kind of crazy um over the course of the last few years and kind of trying to figure out, and this is like kind of sort of serious a bit, and kind of trying to figure out social media for myself so that I don't let it drive me crazy. Amen. Uh, and, and in the way that people are just so quick to be so crappy. Yeah. I mean, like, I appreciate wanting to to make sure we have measured thoughts and like, but sometimes, man, we're having conversations, and sometimes t- people take the things that we say out of context, and then they just blow them up to try to make us look like like we don't know what we're talking about. It's just miserable. It, like, it's a miserable way to, like, go about your existence, I feel like. It's become a platform that, like, people turn it into, like, let's try and shoot down this individual, mm-hmm. where, like, there are so many good social media platforms out there that are funny, that have great videos. Like, the one that lo- I loved, and this has nothing to do with hockey, but I love that we're starting off this yeah. way. John Krasinski, he did that uh, during COVID, the Some Good News, where he did, like, the news platform where he would just come up with news stories. I love that kind of stuff. Sure. Because you're able to just go out there, come up with different fun things, and sometimes people are just freaking hilarious on Twitter. Yes. They come up with some great stuff. Amazing. Like, you're like, you're funnier than I am. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then it's like, you get the other side of it. And I find myself seeing those, and it's usually the same repeating ones that show up. They show up on Blues post games a lot, honestly, yeah. Donnie. Like, when I'm on there I'm sure they and do. I want to see stuff, it's like when the Blues are playing well, you get the people that come out there and that are like, man, what is wrong with this team? This this team's not playing this specifically correctly and that. And then when they start playing poorly, it's a different core of people that come out and say, oh, this team sucks, or I can't believe you think they're this bad. They're actually doing this well. 
there's this like divide in groups of people that have one way or the other, and they're always waiting to pounce. Yeah, and the thing, you know, and like, I don't listen. I I have really tried over the course of maybe the last ten years of my life to to sort of go into this lane of as educated of a sports fan as I can be. Yeah, you know what I mean, like. um for a while there, the Blues, I had to do that or they would drive me crazy, same for the Bills, that sort of thing. You know, but like, I, I honestly try to go, why? Yep. Okay, if it's something I don't understand, if it's a move I don't get, whatever, mm-hmm. I really do try to think about, you know, for, take for instance, the David Perron situation from Doug Armstrong's side, from our fan side. It's obviously different ways to look at things, mm-hmm. but you, you you gotta do it. And, and I don't understand why more sports fans don't just try to be a little more plugged in or a little bit more balanced in how they react. And, and it's crazy for me to talk about anybody being balanced when after the when, when after the the Capitals scored last night to tie it up, I was swearing my 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 face off. But like, I just feel like people just go to re go to react, and we all know that about social media. But I think while they do it, they make themselves look like jackasses. Yeah, in and of themselves, it's reactionary. And look, I love. I don't want people to take this the wrong way. I love when people get involved post games. Like I love that people will question what I think is a good thing or a bad thing because it sparks conversation and everyone's available to have their own opinions with this stuff. The thing that comes into it that I've learned over the years, and honestly, Chris Kerber has has been a, a very influential person for this for me. Rather than jump to a conclusion, let the stats tell the story. And I'll give you a great example. The David Perron situation in the offseason. As much as we didn't understand why they decided to move on from David Perron and his 25-plus goals that he scored and the power play success that he was, you also looked at the numbers and how abysmal the team was defensively pre-Nick Letty and post-Nick Letty when they got him and how things changed. The high-danger scoring chances that they were giving up, the unblocked scoring chances that they were giving up, the turnovers that they were giving up. There is a reason that the Blues went into that offseason and said, David Perron is a great piece for us, but our defense will not be good if we don't have Nick Letty. And Donnie, think about it. And I know people are still stuck to this. I think Perron had a three points last night for Detroit, which of course. Everyone, everyone tortures herself with former Blues, which yeah. I understand that. I do it too. But where do you think this team would be right now, this point of the season, if not for Nick Letty? Oh boy. You don't have Scandella. You don't have Perunovic. Pareko's out for two games, and we don't know what that is. I mean, your top four would be Krug, Falk, Nico Mikola, and... Callie Rosen? I mean, are you feeling good about that, that that team right now? Nah, man, and I think, too, we saw it when Nick Letty got traded here last year. Yeah. It just seemed like it clicked, and it didn't seem like it took much time. Mm-hmm. It just seemed like that dude and that role was etched out, and he slid right into it, and it just calmed everything else down. Yeah. So, I mean, I completely... I completely see that, but also, too, again, going back to trying to, you know, if you know Doug Armstrong, you know that not very often is he throwing big money and long years at guys that are older. He does not do that. Hello, David Backus. Yeah, David Backus. I mean, look how smart of a decision that was. I I mean, and look, I loved David Backus. Still do. If you would have signed David Backus, you would have been in a position that you wouldn't have been able to start that transition into the new core of players. Ryan O'Reilly wouldn't be here if you would have signed David Backus, which who knows if you're winning the Stanley Cup. And now, no disrespect to David Backus, but 
Doug is so good at looking at the landscape of five to ten years from now. Mm-hmm. Rather than there's a lot of general managers that are Vancouver is a perfect example of a team that's just looking at the here and now. Mm-hmm. When they made that deal to get Oliver Ekman Larson and Connor Garland from Arizona, what was that last season? Yeah. They basically were saying we came off of a bubble year in the playoffs where we beat St. Louis. We're trending in the right direction. We've got these young players, we've got these established players. Let's build off of this. And that was very one-dimensional and said, we just need Oliver Ekman Larson and Connor Garland. They got a lot more issues than one defenseman and one uh, school scorer right now in their top nine. And that's what Doug doesn't do. Doug sits there and says, we could sign David Perron. But then in three years from now, when Tory Krug's older and Justin Falk's older and Colton Pareko's in his prime and we have to move on from certain players that we couldn't afford to keep, what's our defense look like? Because the minors, they're not very full right now of players who are ready to be NHL players. Absolutely. I think, too, what's been really fascinating about this Blues franchise to watch since Doug Armstrong has been here is that focus on, like you just said, not just the here and now, but how are we looking in five? How are we looking in ten? So, like, I feel like there is now a Blues way of going about business, about how they build the team, much like we grew up here in St. Louis with the Cardinal way and with the way in which that once Walt Jockety took that team over and the DeWitts took it over, there was definitely a way about the business. And it feels like the Blues and Doug Armstrong have that exact same sort of thing going on right now. And as a Blues fan, it makes you feel good. It makes you feel like, okay, well, I know what this next core is is going to look like at least somewhat, you know? So it's, it's, it just feels like it's like this sort of thing. That's like always sort of good yeah, well, because they know what the hell they're doing. Well, and that's just it too, Donnie. I mean, if you think about the way that Doug Armstrong's got this established, first of all, it comes down to the ownership group, Tom Stillman and his partners. You're not doing this. If you don't have an ownership group that's saying we'll spend the cap every year. I know these last three years have been unpopular because of some of the decisions that Doug Armstrong has made. David Perron being one of them, but you're in a flat cap, and they're still spending to the salary cap. Yep. Now you're moving into an area where $4 million gets added onto that salary cap, and even beyond that. So that's where the optimism comes into play with that business plan. Doug Armstrong knows that he can spend to the cap and make a competitive team every season because you've got Tom Stillman. But you can't just be the New York Yankees of the NHL and say, we're just going to throw money at free agents and be good because that doesn't work all the time what you need is you need your core in place and Doug has been so good if you go all the way back to the uh, come grow with us era you remember that era Donnie yeah. it was not very fun no Patrick Berglund TJ Oshie David Perron David Backus that come grow with us era then you get to the 2008 November Thanksgiving actually November 24th when they traded for Alexander Steen welcome to your new core Steen Backus you've got the older players and the younger players like Alex Petrangelo that are taking over then they make the trade for Jay Bomeister to add into that core of players and then you transition into that Stanley Cup era where you're able to bring in Paul Stastny and and kind of add on to those core of players. Yuri Laterra at the time. I know people hear that, but Yuri Laterra was a centerman that needed to fill a void for them. Yeah. Then you get to O'Reilly and David Perron and Patrick Maroon. He's always added to the core of players, but what have the core of players always been? It was Oshie and Perron and Berglund and Bacchus, and then it turned into it was Steen and it was Petrangelo and it was Perron and it was some of those younger players. Now you're in the era that is Thomas, Kairou, Pareko and Falk like that to and Jordan Bennington that's your core of players and now you're adding on to it you know uh one of the a word that can be misconstrued as a negative thing but in this particular instance I'm not looking at it that way um 
I find when I see the few times that I have seen Doug Armstrong in the press box when I've been absolutely petrified and walking past <laughs> hey, him. me too, man. But, I, I've seen him plenty of times. <laughs> but he, to me, looks like a man that knows that he's good at what he does. Yeah. And has, a, has an ego mm-hmm. about that. Who in the organization keeps the general manager's ego from hurting the team? At, 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 you know what I'm saying, and that's I'm not saying, no, and, and I'm not saying Doug Armstrong has done that, but at all. But what I'm saying is, is at this point in his, you know, in his stature with the organization, he's wheeling a whole heck of a lot of power. Yeah. Well, what what's to say that he doesn't want to sign X player for an ego reason? Who is the one? Is Tom Stillman the one that says? Hey, man, you might not be looking at this the correct way. Who's the one that keeps Doug Armstrong in check? Man, that is a really good question, Donnie. I, I, I don't know if I know the answer to that. Me just spitballing here, Doug Armstrong is in a very interesting situation because of how in-depth the fan base is here in St. Louis. Um, if you look around, there are teams out there, like I'll give you a great example, the New York Islanders with Lou Lamarillo. Lou Lamarillo's got an ego to him because he's been very successful in his career. Last season, nobody had an idea what Lou Lamarillo was doing with the Islanders, and they stunk, and everyone was like, what is he doing? Get rid of this guy. Now look at what they're doing right now. But I think the interesting position that Doug Armstrong is in, I think there's a little of Tom Stillman that keeps him in check, obviously. I'm sure a lot of it is him keeping himself in check because he wants to make sure that this is a Stanley Cup contender. But... I wonder if it's all of the people he puts around him. I don't know if people understand how many former players, former front office members, former coaches that Doug has around him as a front office member. Like Al McKennis is one of his right-hand men. He brought in Ken Hitchcock to be a scouting advisor for the team. He's got uh, Peter Shirelli, a former Boston Bruins general manager, who's with him now. Uh, You have Bob Gainey, who is with him also. Like He's got so many Hall of Fame potential people that are around him. I think those individuals keep him in check. But also you have a ton of alumni around the team, too that take to heart the St. Louis Blues team. The Al McKennises, you know, the Keith Kachucks. You've got the Kelly Chases that are around, the Brett Halls that are around and in tune. I would imagine that keeps you in check if you're a general manager also because you got all this Hall of Fame talent around you and you want to be up to that potential. Absolutely so. But, but then also, too, in that group of people that you have surrounded yourself with in, the, in, in your management group are people that you trust their opinion. So if they say, hey, man, you're wrong. Yeah. Then that gives you reason to pause. I'm just amazed. Or I guess I'm just kind of fascinated by being able to have that 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 sort of power. And like you even alluded to, you got to keep yourself in check, right? Because you can let that get away from you real quick. Well, look at the the past. Let's just go back to the past four seasons of free agency for Doug Armstrong and the names that have been sitting out there. Like if you're Doug Armstrong, you go out there and throw all the money you want at Johnny Goudreau, right? You could trade away pieces and get Johnny Goudreau, but you got to give yourself a little bit of patience there and understand, like, hey. Defense is our biggest issue right now. A couple of years ago, you could have made trades that were sitting out there for teams. Like, you could have been aggressive and gone after Eric Carlson from the Ottawa Senators and given him the big money. But you didn't because you kind of knew what kind of player he was. Mm-hmm. I, I, it's it's a really fascinating question, Donnie, and I'm going to keep it in the bank because whenever I get the chance to talk to Doug, I'd be curious. I wonder if he keeps himself in check with this also. Yeah. Like, I wonder if you're Doug Armstrong, you look at this and you say, I have built something very special here in St. Louis that you just don't want to throw away by getting too too overzealous of free agency and sitting there and being like, I got to go out there and get the big prize. And realizing that, no, we need to stick to the plan, 
and this plan has been set now. You know who your head coach is. Doug Armstrong made that very clear very when they were clear. struggling. Yeah. Burby ain't going anywhere. So this is our style. You know who your owner is, that you're spending money to the salary cap every single season, and now you've got pieces that you know are going to be here for six-plus years. Bennington, Falk, Pareko, Cairo, Thomas. That's your team for the next six years. How do you build around it? You put the Buchnevichs, you put the Shens, you put the Sods, you put the Nick Lettys, you got the backup goaltenders, and then you draft well. Like he's got the plan in place, but I, I wonder if the most most important person of keeping him in check is himself. Is there somebody, and there might not be, but is there someone that he is potentially maybe grooming? Uh, to take over like that, a GM, like like as the GM sort of thing. So Ryan Miller is the guy that is the assistant general manager now for the team. Uh, and Ryan Miller, for those that don't know, he was kind of on the uh, analytics side for a while with the team. Uh, and so he was promoted, I think it was last year, to Ryan Miller. I actually think he was the salary cap. He was the capologist for Doug Armstrong oh, wow. for a lot of years of like the one that was managing the salary cap for the team. So Ryan Miller is in that com- uh, post right now with Doug Armstrong. I would imagine he's being groomed into that role to when the GM spot opens up. Maybe it's available to him. But the thing is, you're not just grooming him for St. Louis. Doug grooms individuals for NHL. Like Marty Brodeur is a perfect example. He was just promoted to the president of Hockey Ops for New Jersey, who, by the way, an 11-game win streak. Rolling. Exactly. So Doug is – we always talk about the fix-it line in St. Louis, like the Ryan O'Reilly's and the Braden Shans. Like you put them on there and you fix the forwards and you get offense going. Doug Armstrong might be Mr. Fix-It for front office because a lot of people want to work with him for how much success he has had for St. Louis. Curb says this all the time. People don't. Un- the last time the Blues had a draft pick where they took a forward in the top ten overall picks, do you know who it is? I couldn't. I, Rod I, Brendamore. Oh my gosh. Rod Brendamore. What was that? 84, 85, yeah, 86, somewhere around be. there. It was way before my time. Wow. That was the last time they selected a forward top ten in a draft. They've selected Petrangelo. They've selected defensemen in the past. But think about that. Like, you have always had success in St. Louis. So if you're Doug Armstrong, if I'm a young person wanting to get involved in front office, I want to work for St. Louis because St. Louis has a recipe for success. And there are other teams that have that also. Like Tampa Bay right now, recipe for success. I also want to work for Steve Eiserman for what he has been able to accomplish with two separate teams. But Doug Armstrong's at the top of that list. Hey, we'll get back to the Last Minute Blues podcast in just a second. But want to thank one of our sponsors of the Last Minute Blues podcast, and that is Dr. James Maxwell and Crestwood Dental Group. I'm actually taking my kiddos to see Dr. Maxwell on Monday afternoon. But it's really great knowing that the kids don't dread going to the dentist's office. It's really great going in there knowing that Dr. Maxwell is always learning the latest and greatest in dental technology. So he's going to do everything that he can to make that experience enjoyable and easy for you. I grew up with this nasty fear of going to the dentist. I mean, like it it was based and rooted in absolute fear. And you know what? I don't have to worry about my kids growing up with that exact same thing. They know that it's just a part of something that they've got to do, and uh, they're going to do it. And Dr. Maxwell and his team are going to take great care of your family, just like they do ours. Find out more about Crestwood Dental Group over there in Sunset Hills by giving them a ring at 314-463-5655. That's 314-463-5655. It's Crestwood Dental Group, one of the proud sponsors of the Last Minute Blues podcast. So, uh, Alex, (laughs) this team... We, uh, I think we came out of the box, won, what, three, four in a row? Three in a row. Lost eight. Eight in a row. And now have won five. And tied a NHL record 
for most consecutive wins after an eight-game losing streak. So, If they win this one against Anaheim Saturday night, they'll set a NHL record. So, okay. <laughs> <laughs> that said, <laughs> in trying to get a handle on these guys, I still firmly believe that this is a very good team. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just... I'm not sure what I th- what do you what do you make of this? You and I are on the same page right now. I, I watch this team night in and night out. I do pre and post for them, and I say, I don't know how I feel about this. Last season, I felt that was a damn good team, and mm-hmm. I said they got to get their goaltending figured out. Philly Huso steps in, you're like, you know what? They can win. They can win. And I, people would argue, but I, I I will go to my grave thinking that. Bennington doesn't get ran into. They win that series against Colorado. They go to the Stanley Cup against Tampa, and who knows what happens. This season, you're getting phenomenal goaltending, but you're turning the puck over a lot. But I also feel like when you look at it, and and this goes back to our Twitter conversation, people hear this and they say, oh, you're making excuses, Ferrario. you got to take into consideration what they went through in the early portion of the season in terms of they lost Buchnevich after Game 1, Brandon Saad after Game 3. Those are two very impactful players in your top six. We've seen that now. Then you have that weird start to the season where you only play like four games in a matter of two and a half weeks, and then you start playing four games in seven days. So that messes with some things. I think this is a very good team compared to what they were last year. I think that the offense is going to be there every single night, regardless if people look at it and say, well, they only score one or two goals. Defense concerns me because they're still turning the puck over. I'm not just talking about the defenseman. I'm talking about the five-man unit. Here's why I believe this team is still going to be successful this year and could do what they did last season, goaltending. Because if you don't have goaltending, you will not have success in the NHL. But if you have goaltending, it will clean up the mistakes that your team is making in front of you. Now, don't make the mistakes that you made against Montreal, L.A., and the Islanders given those backdoor tap-ins because no goalie's making those saves. But Vegas is a perfect example. You didn't play well in the third period, and Bennington stood on his head for you. Um, Colorado, another perfect example. You had to, you made too many mental mistakes in terms of taking penalties, and you had to deal with the six-on-three Goaltender stood on his head for you. And then the other night, for that victory to continue the win streak, Thomas Grice stands on his head for you in the Washington Capitals game, despite your team playing very poorly. So I think this team is still a little mentally fragile. Mike Van Ryan said that post game uh, the other night. I think they're still a mentally fragile team when things go poorly. But if you've got Jordan Bennington playing this way, I don't. I don't think this team... I don't think this team is a miss-the-playoff type of team. I, I have always, and, and, and I completely understand that I am a homer. So I, Same, buddy. So I, <laughs> I, I understand that what I'm about to say, it comes from a homer. But I'm very, I'm very fascinated by kind of the national look on Jordan Bennington. Yeah. It is not as favorable as I had kind of thought it was. Listen, I... I don't think he's the second coming of Dominic Kosick or Patrick Waugh or any of those types of things, but we have seen him be an absolutely unbelievable yep. goaltender, save us games from time to time. We had not had that in a really long time, but he's, correct me if I'm wrong, he is kind of viewed on the national stages. He's all right. Yeah. Uh, well, and if people uh, followed along on social media with me, Greg Wyshynski yes. at ESPN, uh, he kind of fired at, back at one of the tweets that I had. And look, I, I love Greg Wyshynski. He's great. great. Phenomenal at what he does, and he's open to his opinion. Here's what I think the national stage views Jordan Bennington as. 
he's too inconsistent. And that's what Greg Wyshynski kind of alluded to in his tweets with me. Um, and, and they're not wrong. Like, 2020 bubble season, not a good Jordan Bennington. He'd tell you that. Last season, an inconsistent Jordan Bennington. But 2019-2020 pre-pandemic, Bennington was one of the best goaltenders in the National Hockey League. He was 30-13-5, and five, I Dude, think, at the end of the machine. season. He was a machine. Yeah. Stanley Cup championship, best goaltender in the NHL. And then this season, Jordan Bennington has been one of the best goalies in the NHL. And I don't care what people say. Well, don't look at a save percentage. That was my tweet. If you take out that Montreal, L.A., Kings, and Islanders game, and I know you can't do that, but anybody who watched that game knows that ben- Patrick Waugh and Marty Brodeur could have been tied together with a rope in between the pipes, and they're not stopping those goals. Yeah, man. Because the team just let them backdoor, tap-ins, deflections. Dude, he was all alone. Everywhere. And uh, Alexander, David Alexander, the goaltending coach, he told Joey this on our pregame a couple of nights ago. Uh, he said that, Jordan Bennington and Alexander is going to be a little bit more critical than we will. Jordan Bennington has given up five goals this season that he'd probably tell you he'd want back. Five goals, Donnie. Yeah, that's nothing. All season long. Yeah. If you take out those three games, he he would have he would pro, he would have top three save percentage in the National Hockey League. Jordan Bennington in the third period when his team is leading this season is 5-0 and with a 947 save percentage. Jordan Bennington this season has been the MVP for this team. And if this continues the rest of the way, Jordan Bennington is going to have the numbers that you look at and say, wow, maybe we should start looking at him a little bit more. But it's going to be so hard for people to view that and forget about the bubble and forget about last season because he was inconsistent. And I would imagine if you're a goaltender, you got to have a long string of consistency before people can look at you and say, hey, that's a top goaltender in the NHL. But for me, I mean, let's look at his season right now. 2018-19, one of the greats. 2019-20, before the bubble and the pause, Phenomenal. Yeah. Bubble struggles, last year's struggles, this year has been great. I mean, that's a pretty good consistent track record for Jordan Bennington. It just almost seems like the dude's going to have to win another cup to like sort of get any sort of legitimacy with some of these guys. And the other reason I think that people don't like Jordan Bennington, and this is just me. His personality? His personality. And you know what? I, I hate that people don't like that about him because I want my... Anson Carter, uh, NHL TNT broadcaster and uh, former NHLer, he was on our, our, our show a couple of days ago and he said... I want my goaltender to have a bit of an attitude. Like, people don't like when Jordan Bennington gets angry when he gives up bad goals and gets yanked and he flings his sticks at guys' faces. I want my goaltender pissed off that he didn't play well or his team left him out to dry because that attitude is just going to drive him even further. But I think on the national stage, I think they view Jordan Bennington as a quote-unquote punk, which, look, fine, whatever you want to view it as, but Jordan Bennington is not has not been and will not be from personality purposes. Just talk to the guy for a little bit. He's not a punk. He's actually one of the good guys to talk to and be around. But that's how he plays. However you find your fire, that's all that we care about. There have been plenty of guys in the NHL who play that way that aren't goaltenders that people love. P.K. Subban was that way. Jordan Bennington has fire. I say let the guy use the fire because sometimes it sparks his teammates. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and also, too, I mean, it's you always for other teams, you got to have guys you don't like. Yeah. And I mean, if you're on the other team and you see Jordan up. Jordan Bennington and you see his press stuff, you're like, oh, yeah, I don't like that right. guy. But that's fine. He's ours. I, yeah. You don't you don't have to like Hate him. Hate him all you want. I don't care. Hey, uh, <laughs> that brings me to something here real quick. Um, I 
you're you're not going to have an answer for this. I don't have an answer for this. I do not understand the consistency in which people in the Chicago media take pot shots at St. Louis. Scott Darling being one, and then a couple of years ago we had Anthony Rizzo with the with the yeah. Cubs. I do not understand this. Listen, I don't like Chicago sports teams. All right, Plain no big, simple. no big surprise there. Right. Okay, but like. I don't try to shoot down every bad thing about Chicago that I can. I love Chicago. I love the pizza. It's an amazing place to go. And I I just don't understand this desire by the Chicago sports fan to just always just look for something about St. Louis to crap on. I think it's because our sports teams are have now caught up and maybe They've surpassed them. Yeah. And, and maybe that is, is kind of what's going on in there. But I hate it so much. And then you've got Scott Darling who I didn't even remember his name, chirping on St. Louis. I hate it, and I hate him. Scott Darling. I don't know. Do people know this? Do you know this? Scott Darling is still getting paid by an NHL team. Like, let's let's do a fun trivia. Who do you think is still paying Scott Darling right now? I mean, is it the Hawks? No, it's the Florida Panthers. He got traded to care or he signed with Carolina that contract after he was so good in Chicago. And look, you can't deny how good he was that year with Chicago. He was great. Signs his contract with Carolina. He gets his no-trade clause, which I'm not sure if he got a no-trade clause with Carolina. But regardless, he played a year and a half, was not good. They basically said, we need you to go away. They paid him to go away, and then they traded his contract that they are paying for him to go away to another team to pay for that contract because they didn't want to pay for it. Like, that's how it was. And Joey said it best on our broadcast the other night. He said, it's very humbling when you're an NHL forward or an NHL player and you get paid to not play in the league. And to go out on a stage like that and just start running your mouth about a city makes absolutely zero sense to me. I I actually didn't mind what the Chicago Cubs player said when they said it because you're stirring up rivalry. Mm-hmm. And what I think it was either it was Chris Bryant or Anthony Rizzo. Yeah, I think it might have been Chris Bryant. Yeah. What he said was, "I don't like St. Louis because it's a boring place." That's fine. That's your opinion. I don't want to go to West Virginia because I think it's a boring place. <laughs> right. But you don't see me shooting. West Virginia is the worst place <laughs> right. in the country. Right. I was fine with what Chris Bryan said because, like, hey, rivalry. Now when the Cubs and the Cardinals play, everyone's going to be talking about it. Yeah. It's one thing to, take a, to, to say that a city is boring and you don't like playing there to a I think St. Louis is the worst city in the country. Like, what are you trying to accomplish right now, Scott Darling? I have no idea. My tinfoil Ferrario theory with this, Donnie, is Scott Darling wants to be relevant again. Yeah. Scott, I don't know if he's done pre and post before with the television in Chicago. I don't know if he's done anything on air before. Uh, I do know that he's trying to be a successful stand-up comedian. I read that as Um, well. He might need to rework his skit a little bit here if that's his stand-up act, but... My tinfoil on that is Scott Darling wanted to be relevant again in Chicago, and what's the way to make yourself relevant in a city? You start ishing on the other city. But again, to say that you never wanted to play in St. Louis is fine. To say that you didn't like playing in St. Louis is fine. But don't open your mouth and say, I think St. Louis is the worst city in the country. I'm pretty sure we can come up with worse cities than St. Louis, buddy. So how about we pump the brakes here? And Kelly Chase had the best response to him on Twitter. Kelly Chase just said, uh, hey, because, you know, he said I made sure that my no trade list, the top of that was St. Louis. Kelly Chase was like, hey, buddy, we have scouts in St. Louis that know about you. You would have never been on their list, so don't worry about your no trade list. <laughs> Thank you, Chaser. Thank Thanks, you. Chaser. What did you think of the reverse retros? You like them? 
Yes. Uh, Not really. Yeah. But I'm the guy that likes the clown jerseys. Like I'm the guy that liked the the retro the reverse retros last year with the red because that was my era. There are people who probably saw the first St. Louis Blues when they were those blue retro jerseys and loved them. I'm just I don't like yellow. Yeah. I don't like yellow for the Blues like it was a little bright. I still think they did it best. Like I still think the Blues used the logo correctly, used the jerseys with that retro style because the winter classics are what everyone used to love and that one is what they look like. Yeah. If they would have done the neon blue and then had more yellow, I probably would have loved it. But again, I understand the premise of it. It's the reverse retro. Well, and then Braden Shen, I think, kind of sort of dodged around the question last night as to whether he liked him or not. Because I thought he said that they look like Predator jerseys, which obviously <laughs> is something that he's not a fan of. Like those. So I'm betting that Shen are probably not on board, not liking At him. least they weren't mustard Nashville jerseys. Like, Nashville's like that mustard color that you find in your fridge that's been two years old and you squirt it on the hot dog. You're like... Guess I'm not eating that today. That's what Nashville's jerseys look like. But at least this one's like, oh, okay. It's funny too because the players were asked about those clown jerseys, and they all they all found ways to veer around it when you'd ask them the question. But you could see in their eyes, like, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's it's something different. Pretty all right, cool. all right, Alex. Thank you so much for your time, man. We appreciate Donnie, it so I love much, these, man. Anytime you could come on or ask me to come on with this, I will. And this is the first time I've been on since Jeff passed away. And the last time I was on with you was with Jeff. Um, I-, I loved you two. You two were my favorite dynamic duo for the hockey team. Thanks, man. Jeff is so much missed. And every time I listen to this podcast with you and Jamie, I'm thinking about him. So love you, Jeff Burton. Love you, Donnie. Anytime you need me on, buddy, I'm here for you. That is Alex Ferrario from 101 ESPN. It is the Last Minute Blues podcast for Jamie Rivers, Alex Ferrario, Jeff Burton. I'm Donnie Fandango. As always. Let's go Blues. The Last Minute Blues Podcast. Hear more at 1057thepoint.com. Powered by Together Credit Union. Empowering you to achieve your financial goals. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The College Football Playoff Committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the College Football Playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, BetOnline for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts.